Welcome to Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I am your host, songwriter Matt Tarka. Thanks for joining us today. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today comes to us from Arlington, Virginia. He is one Sam Snow. Sam is originally from Youngstown, Ohio, and he is in the band Umanati, as well as Motion Quotient. What does Sam do for a living? Well, he's a smoke shop clerk, pre-plague. He's a writer. He's an editor. He's also a disc jockey and a drum machine monkey. His current project right now is uh, probably a book. Yeah, let's just say it's a book. His current inspiration is the protests in Portland and Minneapolis and elsewhere. Anybody who's paying attention to the news knows exactly what that's about. In terms of any favorite hobbies, well, video games, reading, researching weird conspiracy theory stuff as well. Well, does Sam have any favorite TV shows? Well, Person of Interest, Devs. The Wire, Battlestar Galactica, and What We Do in the Shadows. And we like to ask our guests every once in a while if they have any pet peeves. And uh, Sam shared with us that he does not appreciate bad faith actors and politics as sport. Does Sam have any favorite foods? Well, pizza, schnitzel, cheesesteak, and pineapple. For our conversation today, we are going to be discussing the eponymous album by Clutch, which was recorded at Uncle Punchy Studios in Silver Spring, Maryland. It was recorded between December of 1994 through January of 1995. It was produced by Clutch and Larry Packer. It was mixed by Steve Thompson, Michael Barbiero, and Jay Ryan. Larry Packer also mixed tracks three and eight, which we will get into in just a little bit. Uh, Clutch's second record was also mastered by Greg Calby, and there is a guest performer on this particular record, and that is Richard Morrill, who played some organ on a handful of tracks. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest to the program. Sam, it's great to have you here. Thanks hey. for coming on. Hey, Matt. It's uh, awesome to be here finally. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, it took us a little time to to schedule this interview, and I'm really glad we're doing it here. It's uh, summer of 2020, the last day of July, so shortly before, you know, the proverbial dog days of summer, if you will. Um, what inspired you to choose this particular record by Clutch? Well, I, it was uh, it was interesting because, like, I listen to a lot of electronic music, and I listen to a lot of music without lyrics because I don't want people talking to me sometimes. Um, so I had to like kind of dig deep into like an album that I do still listen to from an earlier era. Like, and then this one, it, I just remember the first time I heard it, it was one of those things where I'm like, there's something here. Like there's something more than just like a rock album going on here. Um, I don't know. I think it was the silliness of it. Like the, the album is funny. It doesn't seem so cause it's so aggressive sounding, but at the same time, it's definitely like sludgy stoner rock and then there's a couple of like thrashers on there but nothing really that sounded like anything else at the time i, I don't know like there weren't too many analogs to this album um around then and it just 
I, I think it was just a couple of the songs got stuck in my head and then I went back and gave it more and more listens. And now it's just at least once a month, I have it on in the background somewhere. Did you discover the band itself on your own or was there kind of a circle of friends at the time that was discovering music and, uh, you, you know, you all came across, oh, holy crap, this band is absolutely amazing. Like I got to really dip into their catalog. How did that, how did that happen for you? It was, uh, it was interesting. Cause I, I don't think I listened to their first album before I saw them play live. And, uh, I saw them play live at a tiny little coffee shop in Niles, Ohio, across from like this, uh, I think it was, McKinley was born there. So like, there's this thing across the street, which uh, with a bunch of pillars, like a McKinley Memorial. And, um, it was this time, it was called the gargoyle. You could fit maybe a hundred people. Um, I don't know if you remember Well, like some people might not know, but Iota, it was about that big. Sure. And, yeah. uh, they, they had like 300 people packed into this room and clutch just tore everyone's faces off. And it was, it was supporting the transnational speedway league, their previous album. And they were just funny. They were they were really good on stage. They had awesome stage presence, and they were fun. And I couldn't believe that that voice came out of that guy. Like so many things were just going on here, and uh, I can't even remember how old I was. Like I was just a kid. I think there was alcohol involved, and it was, shouldn't have been. You know, like there was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but then it was like it was a couple of years later that I was working at this record store. And this album came out, the, the second album came out and we had a demo of it and I just, we put it on and I was like, I didn't, I didn't realize it was the same band because uh, like some of the edges were kind of taken off his lyrics or his vocals rather on the first album are much more guttural. Uh, he still does that, but like this one was more atonal. And then the new album, he got a little bit more melody into it and it really kind of set up what would come later for them. But um, yeah, it was just a, one of those rare instances where I saw a band, like, I think sound unheard and immediately became a fan and would have like followed them to the end of their days. And then it turns out they were awesome. Like they did a ton of great shows and stuff. And ironically, that's the, even though I've been living here, what, nine years now, I think I have not seen them at all here, which is insane. Cause they're like, they were like nine thirty club stalwarts, you know, they're like playing there once or twice a year. And I never went. I'm just, I guess I don't want to top that first, you know, impression. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We're talking with Sam Snow here on Cover to Cover with Matt Targa, all things clutch. Um, Sam, I'm I'm looking at the liner notes here and I see that they recorded at Uncle Punchy Studios in Silver Spring, Maryland. Now, we both know, but if, uh, you know, if our listeners are unaware, Silver Spring is probably about 20 minutes outside of uh, DC proper. Mm-hmm. Did the liner notes, um, when you saw Silver Spring, Maryland, did you want to know in any way, shape, or form more about where this record was recorded? And did, did that lead you um, to thinking of moving from Ohio to the D.C. area to see what other kinds of music was being recorded or what other bands were, were doing in that neck of the woods? How, um, is there any correlation there? No, <laughs> that's the funniest part. Yeah, like I, we moved here uh, because uh, my wife had work here. And, um, I've just been like, I am coming from living in Chicago for a few years. Uh, I just graduated college and stuff. I was like all ready to do literary stuff. And then I, <laughs> yeah. I started to work at IOTA and became a member of two bands without necessarily being a musician. Like it's really crazy. And uh, I really appreciated that, but like that was actually the silver spring thing didn't connect for me until I was actually putting these notes together. And I went, Oh my God, I, I kind of know where that is. 
And that's yeah. always, it's always crazy when you see like a TV show that references like your neighborhood or like that episode of the West Wing where they reference Iota. Like it's like, what the hell? That's really cool. Yeah. All right, cool. Right. Um, and it's funny too, because for years I didn't know where Clutch was from. I didn't know that they were like, like a Virginia, Maryland based. I think they're Maryland. I'm not sure. Yeah, which. I I think Frederick. Frederick. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. when I, the first time I heard him, first two albums, I was like, these guys are the smartest people in West Virginia. You know, like I, yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, no, and it it, it just it, that just actually kind of enhanced the album for me. It really made it. I don't know. Made me understand kind of this area a little more, or and not understand it. I don't think that's even possible, but definitely kind of feel it a little more. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, in terms of, so this is the second record from Clutch. Yeah. Um, do you think that it was a drastic departure from that first record? Or do you think that there were some kind of, you know, maybe some songs on the first one that were a bit of a forerunner to this particular album? What do you, what do you think? It's, there's definitely a push pull here. It feels like, uh, but compared to the first album, they, they do a lot of this in their lyrics too, where they'll just throw in like lines from uh, kids songs, like E-I-E-I-O, you know, like in this album, they have that, that ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, twing, twang, walla, walla, bing, bang is like a whole part of this. It's like a lyric. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they actually did that a lot more. I, th- I feel like it was a lot more in the first album and they were it was almost like a standalone kind of sound or thing that they were trying to do. Like they, it was very obvious. It didn't flow as naturally in this one. And I feel like they paired back on that a little bit at the same time while getting more clever with their lyrics, because this is more, this feels like a concept album. The first one was definitely single, single, or not single, but like song, 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 song um, of a theme, but not, it, it was painting a different picture. It was a lot broader. Um, where I think like the first album was definitely celebrating more rural stuff. Uh, like a Shogun named Marcus, it just opens with this crazy song, like, okay, let's go with it. And uh, there's songs about in the shadow of the Valley of monster trucks or something like the, the whole first time was like, but also like Neil's uh, vocals were very, there was, there's a lot more atonal, just like kind of vocalizing. Uh, I don't want to say screaming, even though it's kind of what it is, but it's also not quite, you know, just talking. It's not quite, you know, like rap or something like that. And in this one, it seems like he gets a little bit more expressive. Uh, there's a little bit more uh, elasticity to his his vocal stylings and stuff, and also, also the lyrics. And uh, I feel like the songs flow together better. Like they definitely had a concept in mind here, and they ran with it, and somehow it painted this really crazy, you know, picture. Um, I, I definitely think this was like, this was not a sophomore slump by any means. I think in fact, this might be one of their top selling albums of all time. I think that might be their number one, according to Wikipedia that said it, but I mean, it isn't like blast tyrant, which is like their, I think their fourth album, which was like slick, you know, and there was a heaviness to it. And there was a great separation. Like the mastering in that album is way different than this one this feels a lot more homogenized, not homogenized, but it definitely, everyone feels like much more in the same room in this one. And then later they started experimenting with like better and better recording techniques, but it didn't slow them down at all. You know what I mean? Like there's, mm-hmm. there's something clutchy about everything that they've done from acoustic haunting, creepy songs to, you know, straight up bangers where they're screaming about like the lyrics to animal farm. You know what I mean? Like something like that. For sure. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Yeah. We're talking with Sam Snow here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka about a band known as Clutch, who at the time was signed to East West Records back in 1995. We are talking about their eponymous record. And uh, Sam, this feels like a good time to talk about some of your favorite tracks, if you'd like. We could talk about every single one, or we we could, you know, we could pick your absolute, you know, favorite gems on this record. How would you like to begin? You know, I, I don't know. I want to jump around a little bit. I, I'll only talk about a few of them because I can talk about a lot of them for a long time. Like that's <laughs> like this, this could be a three hour podcast if we want, but like, <clears throat> I think that the moment I, I'm going to talk with the song that pulled me into the album. Um, and it's, it's, well, I got a plane overhead. I don't know if you can hear that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is the world we live in now, you know, yeah. good Lord. <laughs> But uh, it's my favorite. My favorite song is probably "Escape from the Prison Planet," um, and it's it's the one I just enjoy the most. Even today, I get a smile every time I hear it because it's insane. It's basically like it starts out with him singing like he's like that drunk dude that you meet near closing time at the dive bar who's like, "Hey, buddy, uh, did, did you uh, did you know that like just outside Area Fifty One that." Reverse engineering, alien technology, and then there, and all this other. You know, that this this song is that guy, and you've met him. And if you've ever like worked in a like a like a machine shop, I knew like six of these dudes. You know, and they were yeah. They would they didn't like each other either, which was the best part. Like they didn't hang out and conspire with themselves. They were just like, no, he doesn't get it. I got it. I know the real story. There's there's like a consistency to all of that, but um, you know, like. Stanza by stanza, like this right out of the gate. The first line is then against my better judgment, I went walking out that door. <sighs> That's a killer first line. You've, you've done it there. You know, like you've set the stage for some lunatic who's about to go through it. And then, you know, I smiled at one person, then I nodded two, three more. And that line always stood out for me a little bit because in the conspiracy world, the number 23, it's T O three in the song. But the way he sings it, it's that I nodded two, three. He really separates the things. And it always stuck in my head as like, is he like, is that a signal? Like, is that part of the whole Illuminatus trilogy thing? Hmm. Um, which we should, okay, I got a little sidebar. All of this kind of came together because I used to hang out in a, in, a, in a truck stop and just drink coffee all night. And um, I made friends there. And one of them turned me on, uh, my buddy Merlin, turned me on to the Illuminatus trilogy, which is like the granddaddy of conspiracy theory fiction. It's so funny. And the whole point of the book is to take the piss out of it. You know, like it's not being like conspiracies are real, but it's amazing now. What are we talking? 40 some years later, 45 years since that thing was published, where some of the jokes that were in that book are being considered like as gospel, like this is a thing that happens, you know, and it's, you know, Robert Anton Wilson, Robert Shea wrote this book together and it's, it's a mess of a book. Like if you read it, it takes for about a hundred and some pages, you're going to be like, what the hell am I reading? Like, what does this have to do? And then when it starts coming together, it's pretty amazing. Um, and then Robert, I got into Robert Anton Wilson's writing and his nonfiction stuff was always found in like the new age section, but he had some really interesting things to say about conspiracies being one of the people who kind of popularized it to a certain degree. And he said that like, you know, if you look for like the eye in the pyramid on the single, on the $1 bill, which everyone considers to be part of the Illuminati trilogy or the, the Illuminati, that's their logo, you know, mm-hmm. um, you'll find it, you'll see it everywhere. 
And he said, if you if you think about the number 23 and you hold it in the four of your brain, you'll see it everywhere. It's everywhere. You Anything that you put your attention toward, you'll see it. And that was kind of the, the safety catch when it comes to conspiracy theories. Like if you take something wholesale and you start looking for it everywhere, you're going to see it everywhere. You're just going to. It's the, you're, the smarter you are, like the easier it is for you to convince yourself of some bullshit. So, but anyway, uh, so anyway, getting back to the song, this next bit, uh, the next like two lines, he said, uh, one man asked me for a dollar. I asked him, what's it for? He said, I have seen them. I said, okay, it's yours. <sighs> you know, that's kind of the thing. Like if, have you seen them? They're everywhere. Of course it is. You will see it if you're looking for it. That's that kind of thing. And you can also be willfully ignorant and, you know, not see certain things that are obvious. But anyway, the point being, this whole song sets it up right in the first four lines. Like th- this guy is like a walking you know, theorist. Um, you know, he's going out and mixing into society and stuff. And uh, in the next couple of lines, as I've, as Featured on the MTV, the local high school lets out and the town becomes anarchy. Because, of course, it does. You're an old man. You know, like, mm-hmm. you're cranky. You can't trust anybody. Uh, yeah, parties are crashed. Skid marks are measured. The stories in the paper, you may read it as your leisure, at your leisure. Which is an interesting line because uh, a lot of conspiracy theorists, even to date, to the, especially Alex Jones, loves to do this thing where he'll make some statement and all he's doing is like reading headlines. Like, I don't think the man's ever read an article and I'm definitely giving a little shout out to uh, one of my favorite podcasts, knowledge fight who actually covers Alex Jones hilariously. It's awesome. And uh, they constantly are pointing out and you constantly hear it in their clips. Like he'll just say something about how like, yeah, they're going to try to microchip you. It's in the white papers. He'll, he'll reference these things that may or may not exist, but he's never read them and he can't point you to where to find them. You know what I mean? It's yeah. that, well, you know, they, they wrote articles about it and that's going to stand on its own without producing the article itself. It's, yeah, it's that kind of like logic. So uh, yeah, then you get into the course where it's like, get out, eject, escape from the pl- prison planet. And at this point I should mention that the prison planet is that that's like, if you go to, it exists. I wouldn't say go there, but prisonplanet.com is like Alex Jones's website. And it's, he's like called himself prison planet for decades now, like 20 years, as long as he's been peddling his gold. And <sighs> anyway, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. we, get, we get to the second verse and this is, this is the money. And to the tune of a billion dollars, I supplied to the D O E some tasty little nuggets of alien technology. And as one might suspect or expect, I've been harassed for years. Of course, they always are. They're always. They got secret information, man. You know, they're coming for you. Uh, The men in black have been bending my ear. As a matter of fact, they were just here today, but I escaped them through a secret passageway once I lived there for 1,000 days. You know, it's, there's that logic. There's like, you know, I have secret information. Someone's out to get me. It. You know, at this point, I'm already like chuckling because he's getting into the meat of like these people that just fall for this. And then, then, then you have like the killer here. Uh, third verse after they go through the prison plan a bit again. I have plans for the future. Guess their futuristic plans. Move out west and buy some desert lands. Maybe up north, just past Alaska. You know nothing of this that they ask you. Yeah, it's yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> oh my god. And then 
one of my favorite verses they've ever uh, done here. Red Rover, Red Rover, Bob Lazar's coming over. So, honey, clear the airstrip and light up that stove. <laughs> Who is Bob Let? Who's Bob Lazar? Bob Lazar. Oh, this is so good. I actually have <laughs> this on uh, the screen here. Bob Lazar was a conspiracy theorist. He got big, like, in, like I want to say, like, late 80s, 89-ish. And uh, he's still alive. He's, he's still around. Um, he alleged that this there's a secret site that was like outside of area 51 called s4 and he alleges that this installation is located you know like down near almogordo or whatever um he he claimed that he examined an alien craft that ran on an antimatter reactor powered by element 115 which at that time had not been synthesized he also claims to have read U.S. government briefing documents that describe alien involvement in human affairs over the past 10,000 years. Some good record keeping, you know? Like, yeah. I, I don't even know where like my W-2s from like three years ago are. Um, and then he, he's his claims, like him doing all this crap, is why we know what Area 51 even is. Like he was the guy making the noise about it first. He allegedly owns and operates United Nuclear Scientific Equipment and Supplies, which doesn't seem like the best job for him. Uh, but it's yeah, a niche, was, it's a niche market. <laughs> big time, yeah. But yeah, in 89, he was in an interview on uh, Las Vegas TV under the pseudonym Dennis, where he was talking about S4 and stuff like that. And then he went back under his own name and all this other crap. Um, he, he just did the stuff for... He's just, he, he believes in alien technology. Like that's his thing. But then in 1990, he was arrested for aiding and abetting a prostitution ring. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! And right. then, uh, yeah, he was ordered to do a hundred, well, they, it was reduced to felony pandering, which I can't even imagine what that means in this day and age. But um, he was ordered to do 150 hours of community service, step, stay away from brothels and undergo psychotherapy. Then in 2006, Lazar and his wife, Joy, were charged with violating the Federal Hazardous Substances Act for shipping restricted chemicals across state lines. And uh, it's the charges stem from a 2003 raid on United Nuclear's business offices. So, like, the, he's, like a lot of these guys, kind of a grifter. Like, he had a kind of compelling story, and he ran with it, and it got it just blew up. And this is before the internet, like Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. at best, you had a BBS, maybe. And this guy was managing like several of them. I mean, there's all these guys out there that have written these like weird conspiracy books who, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bill Cooper. He's another one. I don't think they reference him directly on this, but he's kind of one of the big granddaddies of it all. He had a, the hour of the time, I think was the name of his show. He was before kind of a, a little bit after Art Bell, but like definitely before Alex Jones. And they actually knew each other and Bob Cooper fucking hated Alex Jones. Like there's some really fun audio of him just talking mad smack. So right. yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that all of that is tied into this, like the lyrics of this song to a certain degree. Like th- this is a very good breach that would like destroy somebody who gets into it, but doesn't look at it critically. Like, if you start getting into, you know, conspiracy theory without kind of being like, well, how hard would it be to pull this off? You know, anyone who's ever tried to organize like like a surprise birthday party <laughs> knows how freaking difficult it is to keep everyone's mouth shut and make sure everything goes off without a hitch. Much, le- much less like a global conspiracy of hundreds of thousands of people. 
you know, all keeping their mouths shut. Surely, you know, your odds go up real quick once you get past five people that someone's going to blow it. So, but yeah, no. So that that's that's Escape from the Prison Planet. It's just this really weird swaggering song of a guy who's entirely sure of his own ability to suss out the secret history and, and machinations of the world. And it's just a lot of fun. I really dig that one. I love the production choice on this particular song. There's kind of like a fake fade out and yeah. then it just, there's like a really excellent crescendo at the end. It's oh, so yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 I forgot about that. They do that a couple of times. Um, I don't even know if it's on this album necessarily, but like, I mean, this album is just crazy. The first two songs are a song. And then the last two songs are a song. You know, they just flow together perfectly. Um, You know, Big News 1 and 2 in particular are really fun because it's just like a big pirate shanty until you get to the second one and they're referencing like Han Solo and Greedo. And (laughs) like, it's a really good overture for the rest of the album. You know, I think that's that's another one. I I guess we'll just talk about it. Big News 1 and 2, it's just... It was different. It was a much more confident and casual sounding song um, coming off of the first album. And there's just this nasty bass line. Like everything about it's like real funky and stompy and real laid back. Because it's just like you're arriving at this party of pirates on what could be a spaceship. You don't know. It's not really that clear. You know, he's using naval terminology but considering everything else he says especially in the next one there's this like howdy duties past the house of aquarius i don't know what the hell that means to this day i have no idea what that means (laughs) yes uh, (laughs) and it's great because the very next line is bring me more whiskey and rye okay i agree that's great (laughs) you do that um you know then there's that back mask at the end of that song and it just goes right into you know big news part two which just stomps like it's straight up not the same song but is it's, it's almost like the emphasis of the beat. It, it like went from kind of like a back pocket groove to like a stomp funk in just that one little bit. It reminded me of Voodoo Child. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next. yeah. You know, it's got, it's just, and the drums are big. The rhythm section's always been great. Like they're just, everything about this band they've evolved like over time. And it's so weird because like, I listen to a lot of stuff. Like I, there's really only a couple of genres that I don't really give too much time, like happy hardcore techno. I can't get into, and I love electronic stuff, but like hearing the Barney theme song remixed at 320 beats per minute, it's just too much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've never had access to, nor have ingested enough drugs for that to be good. So like, it's not, that's not a thing, but yeah, this, so the second album, yeah, it's, it's, it's stomping. It's yelling at you. You know, it's, it's no longer painting the picture. You're now implicated and involved. And this guy's showing you around. He's like, I believe there's gambling on the deck just below from here. And it's, it's great. It's a, it's a card game. It's, it's, this is the dangerous place. You know what I mean? Like there's this whole Moss Eisley, but the seedier aspects of it kind of feel to it. Um, yeah, and there's a reference to the locker of Davy Jones, which mm-hmm. you're talking, you know, you were talking about just all of these kind of thematic elements of being, you know, in inside and, you know, around the sea, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Or at the bottom of the sea in the case of Davy Jones. Right. You know, yeah. Depending on how much whiskey and rye. Uh, right. Yeah. 
But then, uh, let's see, what else we got? We got a, oh yeah, Animal Farm is a riot. Um, this It's one of the shortest songs on the album. It's like maybe two minutes. And it's, this is the guy from Escape from the Prison Planet, but like he's he's just tired of trying to convince you that there are aliens and shit. So it just opens up with him screaming, listen up, you stinking maggots. It seems you just don't get it, you know? It's like well, Full Metal Jacket. You 100%. Know? Yeah. Troll Sergeant, Arlie Ermy in your face, just screaming his ass off. And, you know, it's it's so arrogant. Like, <laughs> this opening block is so arrogant. Like, you know these dudes. Well, I've been appointed to inform you your days are numbered. You would cry. You would scream if you knew half the things I see. Please, please just do as I say. Repent and leave your, leave your evil ways. And then, you know, they get into it with this, like, groove. Meanwhile, planes drop from the sky. People disappear and bullets fly. Little gray men are coming our way. Taste just like chicken, they say. Like, as angry as this song is, it's funny as hell. <laughs> like, there's no... Yeah. Um, actually, they're all around secret bunkers underground. Round them up, skin them alive. Rolling, 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 rawhide. You know? <laughs> yes. I've always liked the way they sample lyrics, you know, without sampling. You know what I mean? Like, they'll just, ah, that, that's public domain. We got that. But then, yeah, Carter is a clone, dozen brothers around the globe, uh, MJ-12, damnedest to hell, scroll and key, skull and bone, all of those things are like conspiracy theories. Yeah, secret societies, yeah. That's all real stuff. Um, Let's see what else. Couldn't give a damn about JFK, everything's conspiracy, wouldn't be surprised if they have their way. Tastes just like chicken, they say, you know, like... You know, like, it, they're like little commercial breaks, right? It's so good. And then, you know, the, the, and then the song ends. I know it's hard to swallow. It much, it must sound too far fetched, but you can bet your bottom dollar. I ain't going with the rest, which is, you know, the mantra of every conspiracy theorist. Like I'm not going to be caught in this nonsense. It's just like, you got to recognize you're going to be caught in some other nonsense, man. Like it's all. Uh, anyway. But that, but that's an interesting lyrical choice right there at the tail end, Sam. With mm-hmm. bottom dollar, you get back into the concepts of the Illuminati, right? I mean, it, yeah, this it's subtle. It, yeah. Well, see what's happening now is that thing I was talking about, where if you start looking for it, you will see it everywhere. And there's a few lyrics in here that I've always attributed like more importance to than they probably actually held, like that two three thing. Like I don't know if that they meant that. But it'd be cool if they did, and they would be funny. But that's, you know, even their lyrics kind of reference all of that noise, that ability to kind of, you can convince yourself of anything, you know, and, and that's like a major, major part of it. You have that capacity because you, you ultimately at some point, even when presented with facts, have to determine whether or not you're going to accept them or if you're going to go with your preconceived biases and notions. And it's hard to say you're wrong because like there's shame attached to that for some reason. And uh, I don't, I think it's okay to say you don't know. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we're seeing it in the, at the highest levels now, you know, it, it, not to get too political, but like if you have unsubstantiated claims coming from people in authority, you're going to have problems because eventually there has to be a reckoning. There has to be an accounting for these things. And what's the limiter? You know, I don't know. That's I, I don't know what's supposed to cut that off. We're talking with Sam Snow here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, All Things Clutch, from their eponymous debut, also titled 
clutch. Um, what's next, Sam? What uh, what other tunes do you want to talk about? Oh man, let's see. Uh, I have the body of John Wilkes Booth, just because it seems local. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, I mean, you know, like there's always been weird conspiracy theories about. Uh, Going back to like even John Dillinger, there was one that ran for a real long time. And I think they actually might, that might be in the Illuminatus trilogy, but it was about how they had his dick in a jar. Mm. Like I never heard that one. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So some, some of you guys are going to want to not Google anything I say um, going forward. But this, this was a thing that I think they made it up as a joke, but then you eventually, you know, whatever, whatever you put out as fiction, Someone's going to read it and then they're going to forget where they read it. And then they're going to present it as a new idea. You know, the world is vast enough. We have that many people that it's entirely possible, but yeah, like it's, that's what I thought of like kind of when I heard this song um, was like the idea that there's always something like they, uh, they removed JFK's brain uh, before the, they, whatever, like there was, there was something about that, which I think actually did happen. I'm not sure. Um, but after he was shot, like, I, I guess they like yeah. removed it. I, I don't know. I, I, that's a weird one. There's a lot of, I mean, but it was like yeah. before Jackie even saw him or something. It was really weird. I don't know. I can't remember enough about that. Um, you know, and then like the JFK was a movie mm-hmm. by like, you know, Oliver Stone that was extremely successful, strangely. And um, it's a, it's an okay movie. It didn't hold up. I'll say that. Um but but this this one's like I, I don't know what the story is about this song. Is John Wilkes Booth's body missing? That was a thing that I didn't think to kind of like look up before we got to this point. I just thought it was a funny idea that you get to. Uh, let's see. All right, so I'm going to skip ahead in the, like the the lyrics of the song because he's he's just it starts out where he's like painting a picture. Uh, some poetry that I don't quite get. And then, all right. Fishing ain't what it used to be. I've seen some bad years, but this one is just killing me. One little nibble in 13 years. I really pack them in. It, it, like basically I think what happens in this story is that he basically kind of reeled up John Wilkes Booth's body from the bottom of a river. Yeah. Susquehanna rivers in uh, the South central part of Pennsylvania. Yeah. And yeah. then it was like, but today I made a sick discovery lead box in Sassafras Cove. So uh, apparently he pulled up a lead box with, you know, his body in it. And it's, then he's, you know, clearly trying to auction the body off, (laughs) you know, like that's the gist of it. Like whether or not like this is a thing or this happened, I I, I don't know. But like the idea is always that like, um, not always, I won't say always. Remember there was a movie called uh, fire in the sky. I can't remember the guy, Travis something. It was about the, also one of the most terrifying alien abduction scenes in a movie ever. Like that movie's so low key until they get to that part. And I was like, Jesus God, um, it still bothers me. But like those guys really never tried to seek fame. Like, yeah, they did kind of tell their story and they did have a movie made out of it and stuff like that, but it wrecked them. And they like really have the ones that are still around are still like holding down and like staying kind of quiet because that's bizarre. But then you have other people like post Roswell where, uh, I have a piece of an alien ship and you know, it doesn't burn and it's like stainless steel, but they did some weird stuff to it. You know, like 
I have an artifact and I can sell that artifact or I can allow you to pay me $5 to walk through this room to see this artifact has always been a thing, I think. Who's Roswell? Is that related to Area 51? Well, R- Roswell was in New Mexico. It's where uh, Mexico. that's where like a UFO allegedly crashed. That's where you get the uh, whole, you know, it's a weather balloon. Um, oh, right. Yeah. That whole thing. Like the first alien wreck in America allegedly was like that one, um, which may or may not have happened. Um, maybe did. I don't know. Like, there's the idea that we're not going to make it. Like, if we built a spaceship right now with current technology, none of us would survive to get to the nearest, you know, galaxy or nearest star. Even, you know, maybe. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing to do it. And this, I think, is it the Drake equation that basically states that like a civilization can. Like, there's a really good chance that there's life in the universe. But like our ability to communicate with it or make contact with it is next to impossible because, you know, in all of time and humanity, like we've only really been talking and doing stuff as humans for what, 30,000 years. And then, you know, that's, that's nothing compared to the history of the planet. Like on a cosmic sense, we're nothing. (laughs) According to what the Drake equation means, N equals the number of civilizations in which humans can communicate. Okay, right. so ha- have that on the left side, and then on the right hand side of that equation, the mean rate of star formation. Right. W- uh, multiply that by the fraction of stars that have planets. Mm-hmm. Multiplied by the mean number of planets that could support life per star with planets, and then there are four additional portions that you multiply here. You also have the f- the fraction of life supporting planets that develop life. Right. Those same planets which life. Uh, excuse me, with life where uh, life develops intelligence mm-hmm. and then a fraction of intelligent civilizations that develop communication multiplied lastly by the mean length of time that civilizations can communicate. Right. That's a, <laughs> that's a lot to swallow. That's a hell of a, there's a really good thing to get like to, as a sidebar. Uh, there's this uh, songwriter named Peter Mulvey. And he's got this awesome song about that called Vlad, the astrophysicist about him and a buddy drinking beer and talking about like whether or not we have made, you know, contact with humans. And it's like the saddest song in the world. <laughs> Cause like at one point he just, he holds his arms out and he describes this like space, like this is all of time and space. And then he pinches his fingers together. And he's like, and this was a civilization. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh man, damn it. Thanks for ruining everything, you know, like <laughs> so much for discovery. <laughs> well, he even has a, he has another line in, in that same song where he's like, imagine that there were two civilizations that rose up near each other and they were close enough to have war or better yet peace. And they had galactic libraries and all this other stuff. He's like, they're gone too. It's like they never existed. And it's terrifying. Um, yeah, I know. It's great. It's terrifying. I love it. <laughs> this is my, this is what keeps me up at night. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I guess, you know, the eye of the body of John Wilkes Booth is basically like the grifter song, you know, the whole, even Alex Jones, he'll, he'll be talking about all these weird conspiracies and stuff and he'll somehow be able to pivot it straight into like an ad break. You know, he'll say something about, it. he's like, well, you know, the globalists are coming and, uh, they're, they're, they're putting stuff in the water to make the frogs gay. And uh, as a matter of fact, we have this colloidal silver that we can sell that will like counteract the effects of it. And uh, if you just go to our website, you can buy this product and a bunch of other products. And it's like every one of them does it, all of them across the board. Mm -hmm. 
you, you'll know their integrity by how quickly they turn to like an ad break. <laughs> We are we are speaking with Sam Snow here on Cover to Cover with Mad Target. We're talking about Clutch, and we're talking about aliens, the Illuminati, all kinds of wild conspiracy theorists that have embedded themselves into these incredible lyrics by this band. Um, we just, Sam, we we just finished talking about "I Have the Body of John Wilkes Booth." What um what other what other songs do you want to discuss? Well, you know, I'm going to talk about the song that initially wasn't my favorite. Um, it was the song I actually used to skip. <laughs> okay. All right. And, and now I've gained this like real appreciation for it because at the time things were different. Um, when, you know, this came out in 95, I was two years out of high school and maybe about a year or two before I really started. I was kind of getting into raves and stuff like that was happening at this point. Um, I was definitely like going to the occasional weekend party and everything, but like, it should be noted that I like, I got into techno when I was in high school. And when I was in high school, I was like sad, man. Like I didn't party. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. Nothing. I was a good kid. And it, it sucked because it doesn't pay off. You know, it really, it just doesn't. Cause then eventually, you know, you turn 19, 20 and it's like, Oh my God, this is what too much alcohol feels like. And it's, hmm you're not ready for it. And then that sets you down a really interesting path. But like, I bring that up because in, it was in high school that I was like, I was listening to music sober. Yeah. And I got into techno that way. It wasn't like I did acid and then I had to go see, you know, you know some technos. It was straight up. Like I appreciated the repetitiveness of it to a certain degree. It's like tapping on a desk for me, except I don't actually have to do anything. Um, when this album came out, I wasn't, I still really wasn't drinking or anything, you know, or, or smoking weed or anything like none of that had happened. I was still kind of like really clean. So I skipped this song cause I didn't get it. And I didn't care. <laughs> like it was, it was like a cool song, but it was just like, I always hated songs that were like celebrating a certain thing, like an affinity, you know, it's, it, you can make a funny one. I'm sure somebody could write a song about like how I love cheese or some shit. And that'd be funny. But this, I just, I don't know. Like I, I, I tolerated it from Cypress Hill because it was like woven into their being. <laughs> yeah. But then th this, this just, it, it felt out. It didn't feel like it belonged here. And it wasn't until like a few years afterwards. And then I'd been to a few raves and walked around knee deep in concrete while angels were whispering in my ears that I got, you know, what this was. The song is just a description of how like things occur to you when you get fucking lit. And it's, you know, it, it doesn't seem like it because it's very just, it's such a stoner rock song. <laughs> like it is just kind of like about as good as it needs to get, you know, as far as that kind of a thing, because it goes cosmic by the end. It's weird. It's, it's really weird who I am now, who I was then. You know what I mean? Like when you look at like songs that you don't like and do like, um, you know, at the beginning of the song, first of all, he's also just talking about fucking cars and I don't care, you know, like, there are very few songs about cars that I really like, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't like the materialistic kind of shit in a song necessarily like I, celebrating, you know, what you own never really, but like this, at least I could get it a little bit. Cause I knew a lot of hot, like guys who would work on cars and stuff. And, mm -hmm. um, but this, this opening, it just Dodge Swinger and I, he's just listing stuff all, all the way. Stars green. Gotta go. It's just an intro. You're in a car, you're driving fine. And then whenever it feels right, they repeat that line like four times. And I guess it's not time to smoke yet. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. And what is Jesus on the dashboard? Is it that little figurine or is it like some joint this guy's got rolled up? You know, like I don't, it's not clear what's going on here. So then they start up with a Dodge Swinger, 1973, flaps down, chassis free. Yep. Seems like they're about to smoke. <laughs> you know, like it seems like yeah. this is about to happen. Don't worry, it's coming. Don't worry, it's coming. And, you know, it, it might not be something that shallow. They could be doing something, you know, they could be talking about something a little bit more esoteric. Well, well hence the name of the song, uh, Space Grass. Space Grass. Yeah, like it's yeah. pretty clear where this is going. Yeah. So then uh, they do the whenever it feels right, but only three times. And then he says, I turn on the radio. And that's probably when they spark it. And they they pick up a hitchhiker. Hey, kid, are you going my way? Hop in. We'll have ourselves a field day. We'll find us some space grass. Lay low. Watch the universe expand. You know, Skyway, permanent Saturday. Oh, by the way, Saturn is my rotary. What? <laughs> Wait, what does that even mean? Maybe that's where he goes for rotary. It's Saturn. He gets high and he's like, boom, I go to Saturn. And that's where we meet up. And that's hop in. It'll be eternity probably speaks to the time altering, you know, effects of smoking. And then so we make it to M83, which is a star, but also pretty cool fucking band. (laughs) They got some good good music. Um, All right. So then now, now they're lit. Once around the sun, cruising, climbing. Jupiter Cyclops wings at me. Yeah, he knows who's driving. <laughs> hit, neutral, hit neutral in the tail of a comet. Let the vortex pull my weight. Push the seat back a little lower. Watch light bend in the blower. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I get you. Uh, and this, it, this reminds me of a... This, this speaks to me, me, the DJ in me a little bit. Because back, back then... Sometimes what I would like to do is leave Youngstown because um, I was still living there. I'd lived there for like 28 years. And then I would just get into my car and I'd have like a little pinner rolled up and I'd drive out to like Champion. And this is noteworthy because like Youngstown had this weed called Youngstown Brown. That is like, it was in like High Times Magazine. It's like the worst brick weed on the planet. And it was like, it was super cheap. You can get a ton of it. And it was basically one solid, it, it was brown and nasty and like half the weight was seeds and stems. And that's what, smoke you weren't really getting high <laughs> like you were just getting a headache you know like if that's, yeah. that didn't happen for years you know like but anyway i remember there was this one night i had it and for whatever reason i was driving around after i went and saw a movie uh by myself and, and i went out to the sticks like beyond like champion for people back home they'll know it's like all i was going to the what what's called the witch's tomb and um as I was driving, the, the it was like Y103 was like our classic rock channel. And it was still AOR to a certain degree. So this dude put on Sheep by Pink Floyd. And it was like the best 10, 12 minutes. That changed everything for me. Like, it was like as a DJ, this was a guy playing a full unedited deep cut. Not even a deep cut, but like a long, just an album track. He was just playing, hey, I like this song. I'm going to put this on. And the ability to do that was what made him a DJ to a certain degree. It was like, I'm listening to his personality, what hit him at that time or her, you know, Mm -hmm. it was just, ah. And then also that song is bonkers because especially they had that like synthesized voice part of it where blessed are they who know Kung Fu or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That whole part is crazy to me. And I was lit and I was like, ah, I get it. And I, that's this song. But this song is is exactly that a whole experience. You know, I wasn't driving when I listened to the song. At that point, I had found a place to park and smoke. I was responsible. You know what I mean? But I had a full 12-minute 
all that existed was that song, you know, and it turned the car into a different place. It turned like the surrounding area, you know, to like, I was able to kind of see things, not fully. It wasn't like a hallucination where I was like, Oh gee, God, it was more like a, ah, okay. You know, I'm, I'm able to project imagery in front of myself and I see this larger thing. And I, I've known friends that I've smoked with who have been like, dude, this stuff's going to send you to alpha Centauri. And I'm like, okay, whatever. As long as like, I don't have to hear you talk about it the entire time. That'd be great. You know, <laughs> but yeah, like as far as the, as far as the lyrical uh, songs go, that that's pretty much, those are, those are the big ones I go to. I mean, I like the house of Pete that Peter built. Um, cause I like shit about trucks is fun and tight. Like that's great. Cause it's not what you think it is. You know, like it's a fun kind of bait and switch Texan book of the dead is awesome. Rock and roll outline is awesome. I, I just recommend like, I, I, I'll talk about those songs, you know, the songs that we just talked about. And I would, I would put forth to the listener to go back and just listen to it all the way through, like in, in order. What do you think that clutch at this point in time, what, what do you think, how would you describe their music? Is it like stoner metal? Is nah. it, you know what I mean? It's, it's got of, it, there are a lot of genres that are represented here. I mean, what's the best way that we could kind of represent the band as best we can this is gonna sound weird but just i i think of them as like rock (laughs) like yeah pure like this is rock we're trying to do rock and they succeed largely um there's blues i mean there's definitely bluesier elements to it you know there's you you get a touch of metal they've got some really really heavy stuff uh but they still they're still doing songs that like they have this one song called like one zero 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 one 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 zero one zero one, which is basically about fucking Binary robots. Code. Yeah. It's yeah. like robots and shit. It's like, yeah, they're still doing it. They got a uh, album called it's a double title single album called Exodus uh, slash robot hive. I, I, I think that's another one that like, it's of a piece like this, but they've gotten there's their, their sound is much fuller. Um, They've had like whoever's doing their production in the, every album after say Blast Tyrant, which really is fun. I mean, Blast Tyrant is one of the most fun albums they've done. It's got some great stuff on it. They talk shit about Bono. It's awesome. <laughs> like, like it's really good. They have a song called Army of Bono, and it's just taking the piss out of U two the whole time, and I appreciate that. Um, as a former U two fan, you know, like I liked them. Right up until Zuropa. And as a techno guy, you think I would love that album, and I fucking hate that album. Interesting. Interesting. We are talking with Sam Snow here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, all things clutch. And uh, Sam, I would like to close our conversation with a, um, a discussion about cover art, if, oh, yeah. uh, if, if we can indulge this for a minute. So we live in this world where music still has that supporting medium of art, you know, as, as an album cover. And uh, do you think that this cover is an accurate representation of what you're about to experience? Do you think it kind of captures the full money of what they're going for here? Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot and I got to say, yeah. Cause I mean, look, their logo is like the 2001 monolith or it's just like a Broadway stage play sign that drops down like above the act, which is the fake ass moon landing. Right. Dude. Right. You know, they fake that right, man. You know, like there's, there's just a brashness to it also. <laughs> like I, it's so stark and beautiful and simple. I, what a cool logo, you know, like everything about that just, 
it's so different. Their first album, their, their logo was like, a, like a, like a patch, you know, like a racing patch that you'd, you'd see mm-hmm. on like a NASCAR jersey or, or a, a jumpsuit. And yeah. it, it's just a photograph like of a fucking lamp in a corner in a shitty hotel room. This was like, not that <laughs> this was like way vaster. Like they were going for something way bigger with that. And I, I don't know. I, it's one of the few album covers that I find myself staring at. You know, I, I really looked at it for a long time. Um, yeah. It's, it's amazing. You see the, you see our big blue marble kind of in the top left corner. Yeah. And then, yeah, you, you see, you see their newer logo and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of got that shadow behind it because yeah. it's being cast on the moon. Right. It's so it's, a, it, it's kind of a reference to space grass a little bit in that respect, but by, by yeah. calling out Buzz Aldrin, but. But also like the Bob Lazar yeah. alien technology thing, like, you know. Yes, yeah. we, we got to the moon, but the aliens have already been there, man. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, like that whole idea. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's that whole album is just bonkers. Sam, thank you so much for being on the program today. It was really fun learning more about Clutch, getting a chance to catch up with you and get a better understanding of you know how this band continues to uh, inspire you, perhaps your DJ sets, and uh, just. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun, man. It was a lot of fun. I like doing this kind of research and I like it when it kind of crosses over into my other, you know, interests. My special thanks to Sam Snow for taking some time to stop by the program today. For all of you listeners out there, thank you very much. And please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcast, whether it's Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts in podcast land. Take a moment to tell your friends and your family about our show. Let us know how much you like the show by giving us a good rating. That'll certainly help us appear higher in those search results. And feel free to drop us a line at hello at covertocoverconversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. We hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song, and shared a good moment with us today as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover.